I would like to introduce our speaker today. This is the first time in the history of this fine institution that a freshman has given this address. Welcome to Disney Space. Reimagining spaces in Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and spaces beyond. And now, your host, Jeff and Mark. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and wherever you are, thank you for joining us in Disney Space. I'm your co-host, Jeff. And this is Mark. The other co-host because we're yeah. equals we're 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 it's elegantarian around here yeah so we're ha- we're we're back from thanksgiving mark how you been happy december been doing fine i am i'm what they call turkey plegic when you when you've eaten so much you can't move <laughs> <laughs> we've had so many leftovers and i've had so many turkey sandwiches for lunch i'm about all turkeyed out ready for december here we are and here we are yes i'm already i've already got uh some of my Christmas shopping done. Got to get, got to tackle some more of it. Um, Disney World will be a little easier to get into the parks now because the parking trams are back open. Yeah, interesting. I saw that they were coming back just soon. There was a, there was a Disney Parks tweet about it about this CM polishing the doors and getting it all ready. And those are uh, some of the the newer lead cars, but they still pull the old trains. Uh, with the new doors augmented, the doors where my belt constantly gets stuck on it when I get out of it. But I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, Mark, I'm not the uh, most in shape guy. I'm not a marathon runner like you. But I gotta admit, I don't really take the trams too often. I try to take them every time I go because there's, I don't get to ride trams otherwise. <laughs> you know. Okay, so this <laughs> tram. Time. You know, like like Mary Ellen's perspective of the monorail is it's just a way to get to the Magic Kingdom. To me, it's a it's a ride attraction, but to her, it's just like riding the L train in Chicago, so it's no big deal. So yeah. maybe you know, it's different things like that where some people consider it more like an attraction. Yeah, I have those visual memories when I was a kid when we would park our, you know, our big Cadillac Coupe de Ville, and um get on the tram and then you see the the a the a frame spires of the um polynesian the what do they call it the ceremonial house yeah. and that's when i know okay here i am i'm in disney world right now now i feel it and okay. i'm not even gonna lie one of our recent uh favorite hacks is there is a a little aluminum bridge that you can take from the um east side of the parking lot of the magic kingdoms ttc and walk over to the polynesian and we can either take the boat launch there or hop on the monorail from there so sometimes we're just bypassing that experience completely so but but it's i'm glad it's back open for those that uh, that want it and uh they said i think they're i think it's magic kingdom they're rolling out first and eventually the rest but uh you know part of that is uh they've had a uh, a difficult time restaffing a lot of the commercial driving positions uh, at Disney World in general, and most of those they wanted to dedicate to keeping the the bus service from the resorts to the parks uh, running optimally, which, you know, I see a lot of feedback on the Disney buses, and that may be, I don't know if it's even a, really a space, I, or you could I guess you could consider the bus depots a space, but that might be a topic for future discussion in terms of what oh, absolutely transportation is. Because that's what Walt Disney World was designed around. Yes. It was supposed to be alternative transportation. It continues to be a major issue 
as the years go by, as the crowds get bigger and there's more resorts come online and things like that. And I think it'll be an ever-changing organism, just the transportation in total. I got to admit, when they first started building the Skyliner, I, I shrugged my shoulders at it and said, what the heck? Now that it's there, it's one of my favorite things. I really love going on it and parking at Hollywood Studios and being able to uh, zip on over to the boardwalk easily now is a lot of fun. And yeah. it's uh, it's been a game changer. And so it, it just goes to show you that even those of us that are, that are there constantly or know it quite well, even we can't really predict it 100% because, you know, like I said, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, back in the um, back in the late '80s and early '90s, and I know I told you this before. Yeah. I I found a little cheat code getting into the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> we would the... advise our listeners to not apply this <laughs> cheat code now. Yes. But uh, do you want to tell them what it was? Yeah, it does not involve the tram. No. Because because I would go park my car right at the kennel, which is right there at the transportation ticket center, and people could park their car right there and put their dog in the kennel. And hop on the monorail. Well, I just didn't put my pretend dog in the kennel and got right on the monorail. Did you at least I, have the invisible dog leash? Like had the, really yeah. popular. I, I had the invisible leash that had the invisible dog on it. And then I would come back from the Magic Kingdom at the end of the day, and there was my car, not towed, not ticketed. No, yeah, one, I don't, no I don't advise anybody to do that, but it worked. You know, I even saw someone on Twitter today talking about, "Hey, what's who cares about the trams? Just park at the Polynesian and." I'm somebody that doesn't have a problem with pulling up to the contemporary Grand Floridian Polynesian and just saying, hey, I want a valet park. And in fact, I was on my live stream one time and I was so proud of myself. I was like, okay, guys, check this out. Here's my life hack is I'm going to drop 35 bucks and I'm going to be able to walk right out of the Magic Kingdom at the end of the night. But they were at the contemporary limiting even the valet lot to people that either had uh, room stays or dining reservations. I asked the guys to come on, this is, this is money on the table. This is, I mean, uh, but, but he said, no way, Jose. So I turned right around and had to park at the regular TTC lot. Yeah. Uh, But, but a lot of people will do that. They'll say, Oh, we're going to run into the shop and uh, buy a t-shirt. And then they're there all day. Now I have had, where I have parked at the Polynesian, even for just dinner, like I've gone there for, let's say, Ohana reservation. And then I've come out six hours later and I've seen a little chalk mark on my tire that I think corresponds to a time. And so there have been times there where I'm like, okay, they were keeping an eye on my car, seeing how long I'm here. Interesting. Uh, Back in um, 1992, my brother and I, we drove, we, we were one of those people that just decided on a whim to go to Disney world from Atlanta. And we didn't even have, we didn't even care about packing. We would just throw our dirty clothes in a basket and wash it when we got down here. (laughs) And and we didn't have any hotel reservation and they had, there were no security gates at any of these places. So we just drove into the, um, the Caribbean beach resort. It was two 30 AM. So we just went out and slept in the hammocks out out against the little um, ponds out, out by the front. Did and just slept there really? all night until sunrise and, and no and no one came up no one uh nobody nobody came and then we you know we checked in the next morning and we weren't going to stay there for free we did we did check in and paid the money but you know and then washed our clothes and went to epcot i'm not going to say which because it's still an active cheat but i'll tell you off the air that there is a, currently a disney resort that you can pull up to it without having to go through a security check and it's my emergency bathroom stop. If I need to, if it's an away game situation and I need to 
oh crud we need to really go we need to get somewhere real quick um and it's in a really central location and it's it's kind of I don't even want to spoil it. Okay. Stuff. It's kind of like the Chris Farley and the bees story. The bees. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a destination D23 happened. Tell, tell me about destination D23. <clears throat> where do they typically hold this event? Uh, where do they hold it this time? At the Contemporary Convention Center. Okay. And it's, it's, you know, people had a lot of expectations from this and I didn't because it's, it's, it's not D23. It's Destination The Rabbit D23. Disney fans are expecting the announcement of five new e-ticket attractions yeah. coming in eight months. You're not going to get that out of this thing. This is more of a fan celebration. You know, the, we have people come on stage and tell stories about the good old days. And that's that's really what it what it's about. But, you know, we did get some glimpses of things. They, they announced that the, the Cosmic Rewind, Guardians of the Galaxy and Epcot's coming in 2022, summer of. So we don't have any hard dates. And I don't think... I don't think in this day and age you can get a hard date on anything. <laughs> no, nothing. Um, we did nothing, get uh, post COVID, but I will, but yeah. I do want to say frozen ever after and toy story land opened on time with all the uh, elements operating. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, so as many times as we talk about as imaginary misses deadlines, those are some two recent uh, ones where they did hit it correctly. Yeah. I think guardians of the galaxy has gone over. The construction span of test track by now oh in terms of how long it took to build yeah from from the closing of world of motion to opening of test test track i think that's been a shorter time cycle than we're experiencing right now between universe of energy and guardians of the galaxy didn't didn't horizons get a reprieve a little bit because of the delay in uh um, I don't. I don't remember. I think it did. Yeah. I think it may have gone down or gone seasonal, and then they're like, "Bring it back up," because uh, we, we don't have that one ready. But I got to look at my history. Um, my, yeah, they my, didn't want. They didn't want too many things closed on that side of Epcot, so they. Well, they that's that's what it. That's back. what it was yeah. like for a while with, uh, um, with well, Universe of Energy being down, and in the central section right now of the interventions or previous Communicore. Uh, I remember there was a while as part of the recent refurb where if you didn't stop at the facilities before you got into the park and you were going into the uh, uh, the east side, there were no restaurants, the Odyssey. And it was uh, it was a really bad situation for some people. I remember seeing that on Twitter, but I think they've gotten through some of those pains. Um, yeah, when Epcot started, it was really a sponsorship park. And so when Disney had to transform some of their attractions, when they lost sponsorship to hold on to those operations themselves, it was a bit of a, a budget struggle. But I think they've kind of they've they've kind of fixed that a little bit. I don't I don't know if they're backing away from sponsorships, even all throughout World Showcase now, and, and trying to to hold everything on their own. But I mean, as long as this Genie Plus thing is there, I think <laughs> you know let's 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 talk about fan. Or, or Disney park enthusiast sponsorships. <laughs> Self-sponsor. The ride itself yeah. is now a revenue generator. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But the uh, I, coin. Another, another thing you said at the, uh, at the event, the, the guardians coaster, um, spaceship earth is overdue for a track replacement. Now spaceship earth, I think technically qualifies as a roller coaster in terms of the, the track system itself is a steel track. 
uh, very similar to like a roller coaster track. And boy, I haven't I haven't even been on it lately. But even in the last year of being on Spaceship Earth, it's it is loud and creaky, and it needs more than just a shot of WD forty. So my guess <laughs> yeah. is uh, Guardians comes online, becomes a new temporary park icon spaceship earth still beautiful but is gonna have to have that track replacement yeah we'll, we'll have spaceship xandar for a little while yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah they announced tron was they didn't give it a date but they said it was opening soon ish so does, does that mean next year 2022 could be don't know okay so they didn't even <laughs> say that I, I didn't see anything that was that was beyond but they they still have yeah they they have a lot of work to do on it honestly on the outside and probably on the inside you know i I did ride the one in shanghai and there's a lot of plexiglass going on on the inside so Hmm. i don't know if there's been a plexiglass shortage because of the pandemic (laughs) if if that's even a thing with this attraction or not but i'm just going to say that (laughs) but yeah you know once these things open and they they go through their first month or so of being in operation everybody will just forget that they were under construction and that whole issue will disappear out of everybody's mind and it'll no longer matter that's always the case i remember yeah. i remember the construction of splash mountain that's that really as a kid it felt like it took 10 years i think it was like <laughs> two and a half or something like that and yeah. it uh severely impacted the the railroad where it had to become like a shuttle line where it could only go to the uh mickey's toontown station and then, and then back uh unfortunately uh but but once it was completed the idea that oh my god i I always loved this as a kid the fact that the the railroad goes through splash mountain you can look down and see the the big finale sequence from it and then you you get off at the station that's right there as part of the attraction i love that so maybe tron will have sort of the same thing maybe there'll be some surprises with the the tunnel we go through there yeah you know i've never ever been to Walt Disney World without seeing a crane in the sky somewhere, sometime, ever. <laughs> you know, that's that's some feedback about the, the the crane that they sometimes have to put by the castle. They didn't put up Christmas lights this year. Everything's now done through projection. And I, the the reports from the boots on the ground is that, hey, this thing is beautiful. And it, it, now we don't have to go physically bother the infrastructure. We can just paint it with light. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, I've seen a lot of it on YouTube, and it's striking. I mean, they've really advanced their art in doing that. And we got another sneak peek at the um, the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser and some of the things they're doing in there. Yeah, I saw. I did see the video where the kid from the Goldbergs goes into the cantina, and then it's there's like an alien singing like the movie The Fifth Element, and um, the the. This is this is an interesting proposition because I saw some feedback about this, and they said the the, the cruiser looks too clean. Uh, only the bad guy ships in Star Wars are, are are clean. Everything else is dirty. Well, except Princess Leia and uh, Queen Amidala uh, and the Mon Calamari, but it, it it does show that people expect that uh, that you know dirty grimy rusty star wars aesthetic in every environment even mm-hmm. when you're supposed to be in a luxury resort environment in that universe well you know if this thing takes off maybe they'll build one of those who knows these more of these could be coming maybe, maybe more of a grimy spaceport or a, or a, a transport ship that's less frills the the pop century of the galactic star cruiser set 
I want the one that was in Wally, the big, you know, where everybody's kind of on their little floating um, lounge chair with their their big gulp cups. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Try the new flavor, red. It's the new blue. <laughs> A true relaxation on land cruise, where, where we're not doing wars and all that. <laughs> so that's really funny. Yeah, that's kind of the big chunks of D23. And they had a lot of other stuff. I didn't pay much attention to it, but, you know. They had one of Dreamfinder's yeah. uh, uh, dream ships there, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. You know, I keep track of the of the um, the guy who's doing the the modeling of Epcot from 1982, Future Port 82. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, and he was, he was calling people to take their iPhone 12s or 13s and do a LiDAR scan of the whole thing so he could get some accurate modeling of that. Oh, that's great! So they can they can actually help him make three D models of the of the vehicle. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put his um, Twitter site on our our show notes, and everybody look at his work. It's amazing. Please do. Everyone should check mm -hmm. him out. Yeah. Okay. And then I guess that's it. So we are ready to get in to this week's Disney space. So to recap, uh, uh, it episode uh, disney space is where mark and i reimagine current spaces within walt disney world disneyland or spaces beyond which uh we even in one of our halloween episodes we included a universal space uh so it doesn't necessarily have to be in a disney park it's mostly disney focused we're both big disney theme park fans this week's space that i chose i wanted to include a little bit of a premise to it and that is, uh, I want to look at Kilimanjaro Safari in the Animal Kingdom. And the premise was, for whatever reason, whether it was Disney's choice, whether there's a regulatory rule, whether there's a health concern, you name it, the live animals in Animal Kingdom have got to go. They're, you know, the, they're, go they're going to the San Diego Zoo. They're going to be repatriated back to the natural environments, you name it they have to leave the park and my question is can you change or can you replace the kilimanjaro safari uh experience attraction and still be animal kingdom can you still meet the themes and the values the message of conservation the relationship between man and animal that is the thesis of the park can you maintain that with a different attraction in its place and what would you have to do to to really do that and i and i like this question and and really my pitch to this is not as dynamic or i would say my approach is as deliberate as management would be as if this was sprung upon them the last minute what we have to do this well go install and that's going to be my pitch yeah but i want to take a moment with you mark and just kind of kind of go down the ranks of the the uh the four uh florida parks the the two california parks the europe park hong kong uh shanghai and uh, Japan. tokyo the two parks there so most of the parks are what you would define as a Disneyland style park. It is just like the original park built in Anaheim in 1955. You've got Disneyland Magic Kingdom, uh, Disneyland Paris, Tokyo, actually that came first, Hong Kong and Shanghai, which 
you've been to Shanghai and you've been to Disneyland and you've been to Magic Kingdom, right? Correct. Yeah. So of those parts, and, and Hong Kong. Oh, you've been to Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, I've been to Hong. Well, I haven't been inside the park, but I've been at the park at the Disneyland hotel. But I've I've seen it from from around the area. So it's you really didn't necessarily it's, have a chance to experience Mystic yeah. Manor, but you got to go around yeah. the resort area and see the entrance of the park. I got to see the giant mountains behind it with palm trees everywhere. That is beautiful. <laughs> that is that is a really strange something. thing to see. <laughs> Uh, that's just like whenever I see uh, pictures or video of snow in Tokyo uh, Disneyland because their Cinderella yeah. Castle is a match for Magic Kingdom. So that's something we would never get here. Yeah. Uh, so you get that imagery of what would it look like blanketed in snow uh, in that beautiful environment. So that's always that's always fascinating to me. But to look at the castle parks and as a whole, I don't think there's any particular attraction you could pull out of any of them and then say it's no longer a Disneyland. It's no longer Magic Kingdom. It's not, nothing is so fundamental that it doesn't violate Walt's philosophy of everything's going to continue to change. We're never done. Things will always be plussed, updated, different taste. Um, of rides may be rethemed or whole new attractions. What is it? Uh, the Nature's Wonderland which was the slow moving train ride became Thunder Mountain, which is a fast moving roller coaster, but it's still the same kind of thing. Yeah. Now there was somebody on Twitter. I, I heard that she rejects Shanghai Disneyland because they don't have a train. So maybe, maybe the oh, train it has to have a train goer. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause well, because Tokyo's doesn't have a train that goes around the berm. It's only part of uh, their frontier land. Yeah. And the, the Paris one, I think, goes around a little bit of Frontierland and Fantasyland. I'm not sure. I can't park. It doesn't go around, but it does go through sort of like a people mover experience. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I got to tell you, the fact that you mentioned that the fact that Shanghai doesn't have a railroad around it, that does sort of stick out as a, as a necessity almost. But... But, yeah, it's uh, it's you, a it's a different concept. Work. It's a different concept of a Disneyland entirely. It doesn't have Main Street. It has Mickey Avenue, and it's it's not as linear as the other parks through that little place. And the and there's almost sort of like a World Show Showcase Promenade like path that goes into the lands, and then the um within the front of the castle is a much much larger open space, and within that space they have lots of you know, theater standing area for watching some of the shows and they have the the carousel and the Dumbo and some of the things. It's, it's laid out a bit differently and it's, it's meant to be a try at a different different way of flowing people. It actually works well to me. I think they've done a great job at it. And it, it works very, very good for parades since it has that promenade. Okay. Yeah. Around. I'm looking at some aerial photos of it and I'm, I'm kind of trying to get a feel for what you're saying. And I, I'm, I'm just, so it's really more of like a, uh, like an islands of adventure almost. And in, in terms of that, well, there's the, the lagoon layout. Mm. Yeah. It's just a different, different, it's its own design. Um, you know, one interesting thing about it, that the California parks and the Florida parks are all kind of built into the orange groves. Yep. The Shanghai Disney Park is built into tobacco fields. So if you, I did I did marathon training when I was there, and I would run through some of these tobacco areas on the edges of the park, and you can smell it. <laughs> it feels it smells like wow. a Cuban cigar everywhere you go. Huh. 
That's fascinating. Yeah. So, so Epcot, I think we, we talked about this a little before the show. Uh, so many attractions that were part of the original opening, like, uh, or, or even shortly after, like Horizons or World of Motion, uh, have been rethemed, but we'd like to hope they still maintain. I think Mission Space takes it on the chin a little too much. I think it's, I think it's a, I think it was a bold attempt by Disney. They went and bought an incredibly expensive off the shelf simulator system and said, look, it's outer spacey. Uh, you're training like the astronauts and it's just, I just, I just don't think the theme ever resonated with people, at least not as much as they were expecting, but it's, it's still very Epcot in that regard. You still have living with the land and you still have, uh, uh, the seas, even with the Nemo attraction instead, you still have the sea base alpha and that classic Epcot feel, but spaceship earth. And like we, that's why I mentioned it having to go down for, for refurb for its track replacement Epcot without a spaceship earth. Like if they closed it, or if, if like I once heard someone in the monorail say, you know, they should close that and turn it into a putt putt course. Oh gosh. Uh, Cause it looks like a golf ball. Right. Uh, all right. The, the things you hear on the monorail sometimes. I, I feel like that's the closest thing so far to a, a a central theme. And then I thought, well, let's look over at our beloved MGM Studios. Wait, no, it's Hollywood Studios, and it no longer has the great movie ride. By removing the great movie ride, if you agree with the decision, you don't agree with the decision. But what it definitely represents is a fundamental change in what that park is. The movie ride truly represented what the park was. And now Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, to me, represents what the park is. A celebration of their valuable IPs. Not necessarily the how-to and the whys of filmmaking or even celebration of classic movies. Uh, Hollywood Studios is a celebration of stuff we own. Yeah. Except Marvel. <laughs> What, what these days when I when I think of Hollywood Studios, the, the first imagery that comes to my mind is basically just Hollywood Boulevard from beginning to end. And to me, that feels like the, the staple of the park and then everything else is sort of dotted around it. A little bit, but you, you still mm -hmm. have the uh, it, it was really interesting. You could age someone based on their attachment or detachment to the sorcerer's hat that was built in front of the uh, the Chinese theater there, that when they removed it, the people were like, no, that was my childhood, bring it back. And yeah. then there were people like, thank goodness that eyesore is gone. <laughs> now I've got my classic 1989 view back. And I'll honestly, I've never really had an affinity for Hollywood Studios. <laughs> really? really? Yeah, it, it felt like to me, this hodgepodge park where if you couldn't figure out where else to fit something, stick it in there, we'll make it work. But, uh, but, maybe, but the, maybe it was just my age at the time. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was 10 when it opened and uh, especially star tours being one of my favorite attractions of all time. And I love the movie ride as well. Uh, I think I, I think, I think I want to love that park more than I actually do. You know, I, and it is the easiest part to get in and out of from a local. That's, that's something to think about. That's the one that you really can hop into it like you could going to Disneyland. Yeah. You know, instead of thinking, what is the staple thing in there? I try to think of, you know, what, what can you take out? What If you could take everything out one at a time, what's the last thing there? I think it's Hollywood Boulevard. If you 
that that sort of what defines the park. You could replace everything else and keep that, and it would feel the same. I think you're right about that, and, and I think with with DCA, uh, even the transformation of Paradise Pier into Pixar Pier, which I don't know if you know this about me, I I was a huge Pixar fan it, through the '90s. Uh, even before they did Toy Story, I loved the animated shorts they did. Uh, studied them. I was that was one of my dream jobs growing up. Is oh, I want to go work for Pixar. Oh, I want to be a, an animator or a storyteller. And I just love how they do things. And uh, I was kind of baffled by the by the Pixar place takeover. It just seemed kind of like, do we do we really need this reminder of just just Pixar in general? It's not even it's not even a specific one. It's not like you turned it into like an Incredibles land or, uh, or they, you know, like they had the bugs land and cars land. It's just, just eh, whatever's Pixar. Cause Pixar is popular, right guys. Yeah. Uh, but I still feel like you still have the California scream. And even if it has incredible flats on it and you still have a lot of those great, like what was the one you mentioned the other day? That was the actual first Mickey ride attraction. Okay. The silly symphony swings. Yeah. Silly symphony swings. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that's a great area of, of that park. And I feel like if you were to like remove that, let, let's say, let's say they did the probably something I think a lot of people expected. Let's say you just took all of paradise or Pixar pier out and that's where they built galaxy's edge for Disneyland resort instead of in Disneyland park. I could kind of see it and I could even really see them playing up George Lucas, a boy who grew up in Modesto and he loved to drag race cars and he would he went to Disneyland the Saturday it opened. Uh, you know, and now here is a celebration of his creation, his California creation, uh, in this park. So I could even see them have angling Galaxy's Edge into that park. But I think if you were to take out that Pixar or that uh Paradise Pier area out, it really is no longer disney's california adventure and it becomes just hollywood studios 2.0 stuff we own yeah a little bit i i have a hard time trying to capture what that park really is it's it's to me like i said with the disney hollywood studios it's another hodgepodge but to you know i didn't i never went there until about five years ago but when i finally did I loved it. <laughs> for, I was charmed for, by it. I went, for a reason I, went I couldn't years, explain. I went seven years ago. The Aladdin <laughs> show uh, gobstopped me. I couldn't believe <laughs> there was a show of that quality and caliber at a park that you didn't have to pay extra to see. Yeah. Uh, I thought the the Mickey's Fun Wheel, I thought that was a great experience. I can't believe I did that on a day that uh, later that evening we had like a 5.4 earthquake that uh, made the news, national news, uh, instead of all the seismic alarms. And Cars Land is a is a real hit. In fact, yeah. I even got to do the original Luigi's Flying Tires, and I really understood what they said. You have to, you had to do that experience twice. You had to first do it to figure it out, and then get back on it. Now that you know how to operate it, and uh, they now switched it to a uh, Tomator version of uh, the um, uh, Little Green Alien ride in um, Toy Story Land. Um, but, but but yeah, I was I was very charmed by by DCA, and I and that's why I think Pixar Pier or Paradise Pier Pixar Pier is the last vestige of what that park was when it opened. That very I've seen a, uh, lots of YouTube videos and digressions about 
you know, it's a California park in California. We're going to get, we're going to keep them from, you know, it, it, listen, animal kingdom was built to keep them from going to Bush gardens. Yeah. And California adventure was built to keep them from going to the rest of California. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how successful it was. It, it was meant because they wanted to do a second park come hell or high water. And so they did one. What was it? Marty Scalar said he liked it better when it was a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> but so here we are back in Animal Kingdom. And I really feel that even with my pitch, I'm really anxious to hear what yours is. I'm going to get into mine in just a minute. Let's talk about what the space is. The spell. So this Disney yeah. space, Kilimanjaro Safari, and that's, and that's what I wanted to talk about is this is a really and the adjectives fail me at the moment. It's a spectacular safari attraction. Uh, it's a park open, of course, attraction. When the when it when it opened with the park, it had a much stronger and very Joe Rody style in your face storyline. But you're but you're on a African photo safari for for some of the most beautiful creatures in all of existence. Yeah, it's more than half the park, and it's the largest park in Walt Disney World. It's a yeah, it's, gigantic. It's a they did Epcot. it. This is this whole attraction yeah. <laughs> is an Epcot. Yeah, and when you consider the other land that they own nearby for growing the food for these animals, and just pretend you add that to it, it's even bigger. And it, 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 I remember the first time I went to the Animal Kingdom Lodge, and I realized, wait, this isn't the same Serengeti space as the ride. I thought they were just smart. And those resort that resort looked out onto the the same basically the same track or course as the attraction, but it's not. It's a completely different space, and they rotate the animals a little bit and bring them over. And uh, I, I couldn't believe that 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 they so uh, it's almost weird to me that there is no transportation between Animal Kingdom Lodge and the park other than buses, uh, because it almost seems like the more so uh, uh, only only the venetian and disney sea and uh the grand californian for dca which are fundamentally built into those parks and the disneyland hotel in paris the disneyland hotel in paris that's that way as well Mm -hmm. with the disneyland park yeah right right over you you walk under the train station and under the hotel and you're in on the main street oh wow from the front gates yeah it's beautiful Oh, we did, oh, real quick. We didn't. We didn't address Disney Sea. Is there any attraction you can think of in that park that's so fundamental that it's no longer Disney Sea if you take it out, or or what if you took? I I can't well, think of anything in there either. I mean, I think the the Mount Prometheus and everything that surrounds it, and the whole area that that contains that steampunk type of look to it with the the Nautilus. So you lost the mountain and, itself. It's such yeah, a visual journey. The Senate, yeah. Now you could turn the attraction into something else. You could turn it into maybe a, a uh, ooh, what was it? Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff around. Atlantis it. attraction. You yeah. could turn it into an Atlantis attraction, but yeah. it's still, <laughs> still, yeah. But I could see if you look if you lost that visual centerpiece. Yeah, yeah. That so in that case, I see there. So, but going back to this this attraction, this space, it's it is the um, it it. it I have gone on nature safari uh, excursions and drive-through experiences. A couple, a couple of different ones across the country, and 
some of those have price points not that far away from a one day ticket to Animal Kingdom uh, in terms of in terms of uh, going to see them. So this experience really is such a large piece of what Animal Kingdom's operating budget. I mean, it, it is Animal Kingdom. You know what? This is the this is the attraction that Walt Disney actually wanted for the Jungle Cruise. Yeah, he wanted actual yeah. hippos and and giraffe yeah. and, uh, and and let me tell you something. Those giraffe, they will stick the, their heads right in your ride oh, vehicle yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen videos of a giraffe sticking in and trying to lick at somebody. You know, somebody was holding something in their hand and the giraffe was trying to lick at it. <laughs> That's great. The um, you know, I think it's it's worth mentioning if we step back out of the park okay. <clears throat> and mention the dedication of the park, which really speaks a lot to this particular attraction. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to read it as it, as it states on its plaque. Um, and th this was stated by Michael Eisner on, on the um, earth day. I think it was on April 22nd, 19. And it is welcome to the kingdom of animals, real ancient and imagined a kingdom ruled by lions, dinosaurs, and dragons, a kingdom of balance, harmony, and survival. A kingdom we enter to share in the wonder, gaze at the beauty, thrill at the drama, and learn. But that captures, well, except for the dragons, that particular attraction. Every everything is there. Well, let me let me address that dragon thing. I feel like that uh, that reference to dragons, which originally uh, the notion of beastly kingdom that was never built. Uh, isn't that really come to fruition with the expansion of Pandora, the world of Avatar? Instead Absolutely. of a dragon, it's the Banshees. It's Absolutely. A, you know, it's and, a, a, a rose by any other name in, yeah, that, in I, that regard. I, I go I go back to the test of what makes me drive nine hours to make me see something. I don't think I would drive nine hours to see a beastly kingdom, but I would drive 19 hours to go see Pandora. <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that was a really great addition to this park and I've never seen it. <laughs> you still haven't seen it. I can't wait. I want to yeah. be with you when you go to, when you go there the first time, because uh, I went as part of the annual pass holder previews. Again, I've never seen the movie avatar. I I've kind of absorbed it through cultural osmosis, <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm not going to lie to you, Mark. I get, I get a little bit more blurry eyed and, and, and gobsmacked when I'm there than I'm walking through galaxy's edge. Yeah. And when they built Pandora, I said, this is the dress rehearsal for galaxy's edge. You go through the old facilities and they, you know, you can see they were practicing their technique for weathering and, and making it look, making something new look old. And yes, you know, maybe they just it's, had a better budget. Maybe it's, it's they art. just, it, they, they really hard. nailed it. Yeah. Well, one thing that comes to my mind here as we talk about this space, and if we think about our previous episode where we were where we were reimagining um, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride area. Yep. You had a pitch for Noah's Ark. I had a pitch for Bambi's Forest. Yep. When Animal Kingdom was being designed, the front entrance was originally going to be a gigantic Noah's Ark where we would pass through and unto. And, and step into the animal kingdom the, all drawn by there was, yeah. like that area where you walk through and there's all those those hidden paths yeah like the, the yeah the little paradise little area was originally going to be a giant just like they have in kentucky a, a huge noah's ark oh, full of wow. animals 
Yeah, drawn no by Charity. That didn't come up in my research either. That's that's yeah. that's awesome. And um, when they when they animated Bambi, all the animators all the animators would bring in live animals to mm -hmm. to reference when they're creating their you know the structure of their of their characters in animation. And so they learned a lot. Of, they they had a lot of film coverage of these animals and, and the making of that film coverage not just the deer, but everything, um, they, they said, okay, well, let's, let's do more of this because we like looking at this stuff. Let's make a new episodic thing for, for TV, and that, that's what True Life Adventures, that's how that came about. And True Life Adventures spawned on the Jungle Cruise, and then the Jungle Cruise with the True Life Adventures spawned Kilimanjaro Safaris, which was really, really promoted heavily by Roy Disney, the Roy E. Disney, Right. And its development. And he would harken back the, to those days of Bambi and True Life Adventures when they were trying to really conceive what this attraction would be. So I, I don't think there's any more delaying. And I think we need to get into this yeah. space. And uh, I'm going to tell you what uh, we, we've set the stage as, as clear as we can and, and describe the space. And again, if you're not familiar with it, stop the podcast right now. Go search. Who's your guy? You like uh, 4K Walt Disney World? 4K W or yeah, 4K WDW. I watched his video of Kilimanjaro Safari yeah. a couple of times to prepare for uh, uh, this pitch. And again, so the idea is they've lost their license. We got to get rid of all the animals, and it's still Animal Kingdom. What do we do? Well, here's that one sentence pitch that our friend Joel told us to use. So I'm going to use it here, and that is the lion king now you already have uh the uh, festival of the lion king show which is a great show amazing gymnastics it's got fun energy it gets a crowd involvement that probably is gonna have to be retired and, and be rethemed for something else to not dilute uh the experience but what i could see here is utilizing the existing safari trucks and hiring Mr. James Earl Jones to provide a narration that would include uh, King's time as ruler rises and falls like the sun. One day the sun will set on my time and will rise on a new king. And then King Mufasa is going to narrate and take us on these vehicles. Now, I kind of thought, do we need some kind of conceit like... Uh, uh, in the, the 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 submarine voyage with Nemo in Disneyland, they, they they pay some sort of lip service to some sort of aqua phone translator so we can understand what the fish are saying. <laughs> I don't think we need that. I think I think maybe what you could do is is still even have it be uh, uh, the Warden Wilson style intro about you are going to go into this preserve and it just so happens to be this preserve is the kingdom in the Lion King and the, the, the drivers can be silent or maybe even eventually automated uh, and not to take away that job but they're no longer having to educate guests about uh, the park and instead we're on a narrated driving tour uh, through the, uh, the first is the rhino section, which would be perfect to set up for a uh, just can't wait to be king segment with young Simba. And we got to, and I, I've thought about this too. 
it just like I, I sometimes I feel like in this podcast it, it, the it becomes a blue sky and then Imagineering blows our minds with expensive animatronics. <laughs> uh, one of the things they've they've blown my mind with recently is in Toy Story Land at the end of the Slinky Dog Coaster. Uh, there's Wheezy the Penguin there, and he's got the Robert Goulet voice singing, you've got a friend in me, to all the guests that get off the ride. And it's a great animatronic. And he's outdoors. And he's uh, in his, uh, all, his, his a penguin, so he's all black in color. So he's going to be susceptible to sun damage, to rain and weather effects, hot and cold. And he's out there all the time. But if you notice the little perch that he's on, He's actually covered in such a way that he's only exposed to the elements from one direction. And they studied which way the weather patterns typically go in that park to minimize the effects of, of water and uh, element damage like that. So he's, it's very, still he's like a he's very outside. underrated animatronic. You're right. Well, he <laughs> is. Cool. And like I said, any of those four animatronics that have to work outside and and this is also what i thought is you, you don't want to just have it be uh the jungle cruise with ip characters uh for this pitch but you've you've definitely got to take your budget and you've got to say listen you've got to go big and is this a book report ride yeah it is but this is going to be such a solid book report ride that you'll never need to see the movie lion king because you've experienced experienced it you see uh simba and little nala singing just can't wait to be king and then uh and then mufasa tells simba to not go into the elephant graveyard and that could correspond with the part of the current tour where you go through and see where the elephants have gone through and rub their tusks against the against the sediment to uh to yeah. sharpen them and then as you go into there you have uh, you have Scar and his horrible be prepared segment. And it might even actually be an indoor sequence that you drive through. Uh, similar to when you go through the temple in uh, okay. uh, Jungle Cruise. Uh, and color, again, like I, color I don't, change I don't and light just, change. Yeah, it's because, yeah, you want to have you want to have it be that night change. And I don't want to just, just simply retell people on the podcast the story of the Lion King. But of course, you've got to build up. Uh, the entire story, show the conflict, show the devastation, show the Hakuna Matata and, how, and all the fun there. But of course, the showstopper is going to be the animatronic Rafiki walking up the hill and all the animals are there paying tribute in the center. And he lifts the new cub up and that music swells. And maybe there's even uh, um, birds that are uh, that are released uh, that are that are uh, that are drones and. Uh, uh, this is They're, what I could see if, if 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 it came down to it. I'm wondering if like uh, I think of like uh, you hear stories of the the U.S. War College and they'll make their eggheads and say, okay, you got to do a uh, invasion plan of Liechtenstein and somewhere at the U.S. <laughs> War College, somebody has worked out the logistics of what would it take for the U.S. Army to have to invade the Principality of Liechtenstein. Uh, does Imagineering have or do I think they do I think they do exercises like this but is there is there a is there a, a, a portfolio in a cabinet somewhere in case of animals emergency 
use this break glass <laughs> break glass yeah and <laughs> and and get this out there because if otherwise animal kingdom was cl- if you closed that attraction tomorrow you close kilimanjaro safaris and frankly if you had to close kilimanjaro safari you're also going to have to close the maharaja jungle trek which at that point you got to do a one two punch you're doing lion king and you're doing jungle book you got to do both or otherwise you're scrapping Animal Kingdom all together and just building Zootopia and calling it uh, Disney's Animal Fun Place. Uh, yeah. And I want to I want to talk to you about that at the at the end of my segment. Uh, okay. When we go back to the Zootopia thing. Uh, but I really feel like that that's that's what, and, and that's where my mind went. And that's that's kind of I've, I've lost a little lion cub of my own. My my kitty cat Max, oh. about fourteen years, passed away. And so. Uh, I always thought I always thought of him whenever I heard the "Just Can't Wait to Be King" song, uh, just because he was such a proud kitty cat. And with him on my mind, I could I, I had I watched the movie The Lion King, and I probably hadn't watched it in twenty years, and it, it still holds up. I watched the remake of the I, what do you want to call that? It, it's not live action because it's 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 natural settings with CG animated animals. Let's it was call it okay. Yeah. Let's it was okay. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, I am a big time fan of traditional 2D animation. Uh, and uh, I, I'm such an old school guy. I think it was a departure for when they went from actual paint on cells to digital and from uh, uh, Little Mermaid to uh, Beauty and the Beast. I feel like there was something lost there, you know, that that old style art. But it, it's it's just got to evolve, and and you know, it's it's not for me. It's for new audiences. That's why the the modern audiences, the kids love CGI generated characters. It's like I loved Pixar in the mid nineties. That's now everything's gone that route. Princess and the Frog was their last uh, hand drawn feature. Yeah, I think when you step into the studios and watch their process, they still hand animate a lot of the concepting. They do, and, and, and the storyboarding and things like yeah. that. So you get that. And then they do some great things, like there was the great uh, Pixar Day and Night short, where they partnered with traditional Disney animators to have a CG environments that were superimposed on the uh, traditionally animated characters. Uh, and then you get interesting things like the the Disney short Paper Man. So they're, they're doing all sorts of great things there. But again, my thinking is, if you got to keep an Animal Kingdom, all I could think of is, like I said, a giant, impressive uh, Lion King attraction. And again, you you would also have to do the uh, Jungle Book attraction as well. I didn't even really get into that uh, because it's not really the space in play, but in, in terms of the, the logic. Because like you said, it, the Pandora, it fits in that park. So there's no real Banshees, of course. We're never going to see real Banshees, but, but they... They talk about them as being a uh, what a paragon species or a paramount yeah. species. Well, I think other than the Fort Wilderness horse trails, this is probably the one animal that guests have the most connection to. Yeah, I of, think so. You know, <laughs> or Dumbo. I guess you get inside Dumbo. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that, that's a cool idea. I think I think you can actually pull that off and not use all the land and maybe extend another type of African resort behind there maybe that's that's of a that different a flavor <clears throat> that that enters well, the de- park you definitely have some p- potential with conservation station as well yeah. mm-hmm. uh because you're no longer having to use those 
Uh, so like you said, maybe turn that into like a, like a uh, African resort there. That's almost in park. Yeah. Nice. Right. Yeah. I, th- well, I think that would make, I think that would make people smile. That's a good pitch. I think so too. And yeah. like I said, uh, and like I said, it, it's, it's low hanging fruit, but I feel like it's, it's, it's the obvious answer. Now I want to go to the creative answer. I want to get some really interesting. I want to hear what you've got in store for okay. Kilimanjaro Safari. So for my two word pitch, I'm going to call right. this Equ- Equatorial Africa. And that, that har- yeah, that harkens back to the days of Epcot of World Showcase. And in between, I believe it's the Germany Pavilion and the China Pavilion. Danny Kay and uh, Alex Haley of Roots fame. Yeah, they were originally going to call that space Equatorial Africa. And it was going to be a little bit of what we see in this African portion of um, Animal Kingdom today. You think the Harambe Village is, is, the, is the fruition of the, of the concepts they built for Equatorial Africa? Maybe some of it, you know, but I think they would, I think they had other... Uh, you know, m- more on the Tanzania, Kenya type of flavor to it. It, it would have been great if beside there they had enough room to do an Egypt. <laughs> uh, you know, Africa needs a little bit more presence in Walt Disney World. Hmm. But that's what I'm going to do. And so I'm going to give you the triple indie. Oh. And if you if you remember the 1986 movie Back to School with Roddy Dangerfield, where he plays an uneducated, self-made millionaire, he enrolls in this college with his son. Yep. And he joins the swim swim team. You ever seen this movie? Oh, many times. I'm a big fan. The Triple Lindy. Triple Lindy. Is that hard? That's impossible. So he performs this daring dive called the Triple Lindy. He was on the dive team where he uses all three diving boards of a diving tower and performs the most spectacular dive ever attempted. (laughs) Okay, so that's that's what I'm going to give you today is the Triple Lindy. Because I'm not going to give... I'm not giving you just one attraction not two not even three but three and a half attractions in one pitch all right because this is a very large space and i'd like to use as much of it as possible and i want to have a very large expansion of africa and because of that i want to change its name to equatorial africa and bring back you know a lot of epcot fan fanboys will come back oh yeah i gotta see that because you know that's what we were supposed to get <laughs> mm-hmm. so we're going to really ele- elevate africa's presence what did Alex Haley say? He said, I'll see you in about a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we are in 2027. Yeah. yeah. So if you, if you look at Kilimanjaro Safaris today, which is, you know, basically where a game guide takes us out into the Harambe Wildlife Reserve to catch glimpses of animals living on the African savanna, living in their pod habitats. You know, we have antelopes and wildebeests and giraffes. There's lions and elephants and hippos and crocodiles and you know, those weird, what do they call the acopies, the animals that look like a zebra and a giraffe all together? Yeah, they, it you know. turns out they're not even like genetically related to anything near gi- giraffe. Yeah, yeah. Or, they're uh, be- beautiful animals. So we have all these things in, in Kilimanjaro safaris, but what's, what's the one thing that's missing in that space for Kilimanjaro? Mount Kilimanjaro. We don't have Mount oh. Kilimanjaro. So, so I want to build a Mount Kilimanjaro. And you, know, you brought up the space, <laughs> so I really want to bring this space up and go big. And this, this, we want the real Mount, Mount Kilimanjaro is in Tanzania. Yep. So w- what we have in the space really is already sort of Tanzanian. That, that's where these, that's where the, um, these savannas are. 
and it's just, just south of the Kenyan border, so it sort of fits the space a little bit. It's, it just happens to be the highest mountain on the African continent, and it's the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. Now, now some people think of Mount Everest as being the, the highest mountain in the world, and it is from sea level, but from, from baseland to the peak, Mount Kilimanjaro beats Everest. This is going to create a great visual symmetry and contrast to uh, Expedition Everest as well. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one side on one and one on the other. Yeah. And that's I, what Di and that's what Disney is known for. Disney is these mountain attractions and, exactly. and the Magic Kingdom. It's Thunder Mountain, Splash Mountain, Space Mountain, and even Mind Train is sort of a mountain attraction. Yeah. This kind of is a, 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 a and then in Disneyland you have the Matterhorn. So now you've got another real world mountain. Uh, a lot of a lot of Epcot fanboys always wanted a Mount Fuji attraction yeah. in uh, in Japan, but uh, unfortunately, the Kodak Corporation said no, no Fuji in this park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's build another mountain. We're going to call it <clears throat> Mount Kilimanjaro. I like that. And a a little point of um, trivia: there's another mountain in Ecuador in South America called Chimborazo. Uh, actually, Chimborazo. I'm See if I can remember this, Chimborazo or something like that. Mm -hmm. It is the tallest peak in the world as measured from the center of the Earth. So if you want to be closest to space, you'll you'll go to the peak of this mountain. Oh wow! But, but it's it's behind um, Kilimanjaro and Everest as far as being from sea level or from the base. But since the Earth is sort of oblong shaped because of how it spins, mm -hmm. the the center of the Earth is more closer to orbit, if you will, or to the moon. And so the top of that peak is really closest to space. So that's Little, in the Andes. Again, I'm thinking, like, yeah. I'm also thinking about, ooh, you could do a Machu Picchu attraction as well. <laughs> you know, but that's that's way outside of where we're at right now. Yeah. <laughs> so let's build this Mount Kilimanjaro on the west side of Harambe Reserve. And yes, I know the real one's on the eastern side of the continent. And I'll explain that as I go. Um, but this will be the tallest mountain in Walt Disney World. And yes, it will have an airplane beacon light at the top because it's going to be so tall. That's going to be okay because at nighttime it'll fit. Now, like Everest, Kilimanjaro has three peaks marking <coughs> marking three volcanoes that make up the entire mountain. Yep. We have Shira on one side, Mwenzi on the other, and there's a the, the center of the peak is called Kibo. And we'll, we'll make that known to, to the people who visit. And I, if you remember the early concept renderings of one of the World Showcase countries proposed Switzerland and Epcot, there was a proposal for a Matterhorn mountain there, like Mount Fuji, and this was going to be an overhead-style coaster for Epcot Matterhorn Mountain. Well, those plans went away, but we're going to dust those plans off and bring them back because we're going to create an attraction around Mount Kilimanjaro called Raptor Dive that's going to be an overhead coaster, overhead coaster attraction. And... Since th since this attraction is in Animal Kingdom, I don't want to just express the the, the volcano. I want to express the animals around it. So this coaster and its story will reflect the local animal life in Kenya and Tanzania. For example, when when an animal is killed in the region, you know all these animals come and, and slaughter it and they'll eat up the carcass, and it'll be mostly down to its bones. Well, there is one bird, um, a scavenger bird that will take one step further. There's there's this bird called the African bearded vulture, which is really kind of a gangly, scary little thing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a big bird. It's, it's ugly, <laughs> but it lives in this area of Africa. And what they do is they'll, they'll grasp the bones of these animals and they'll fly them up to high heights 
and they'll drop the bones on the rocks and the, they will basically crack the bones and they'll fly down and eat the marrow out of the bones and that's their diet oh, they eat that eat. yeah and so so what we're going to do um at the base mountain college the base of mount kilimanjaro our nearby african bearded vulture being a raptor bird is going to come to swoop down in a loading area and grab us so this is an overhead coaster that looks like this bird and the talons of the bird are, are really the seats of this coaster picking us up off the ground and carrying us out <laughs> we don't know what's going to do with us uh, so the african bearded vulture is the attraction is called raptor dive you know this is the they're going to take us up and dive and try to drop our bones so that we get into the bird's talons and they pick us up and they fly us up to the slopes of mount kilimanjaro on this coaster and along the way, just in case we might still be alive, the, the bird will take us on a loop and a twist inversion just to make sure we're shaking up real good. <laughs> um, so after the last inversion, we're going to circle back to the back of the volcano, and the bird's going to swoop way up to the top and then come back down to the slopes. And then it'll swoop way up to the top again and then back down again. And on the ground at the bottom of each of those hills will lay piles of broken bones. <laughs> so they might just drop us at any minute. We don't know. But with one more giant swoop, we're going to go over the mountain, and this is where the airplane beacon light will be, and then we're going to go down into the volcano. So we missed, we went into the volcano. They didn't drop us yet, but at this point, the, um, the track's going to go into the spiral with our feet outward, and we're going to just try to, the, the bird can't find its way out, so it's just making circles in there, and our feet are sort of dangling up near the glowing rock lava on the walls, just out of reach. And um, so we escape the spiraling. The bird finds an open lava tube, and we tumble our way through the depth of the volcano outside a cave, cave opening and back to the station. And so, But along the way in that tube, in that lava tube, we might catch the side of a mining vehicle moving somewhere. We don't know where. And it just kind of goes into view, and out, sort of like the people mover when it goes through Space Mountain. You see the rockets just kind of shoot by like, what was that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's Raptor Dive. That's, that's the first attraction. And that will probably be an e-ticket. <laughs> and that's going to have some Genie Plus points associated with it. So there's another attraction called what I'm calling Wakanda Minor Bots. This is the second attraction. So beside oh, the... Ra uh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Since we're in Africa. Um, beside the Raptor Drive is another attraction we called <clears throat> Wakanda Minor Bots. And this is a tour that will take us into the depths of Mount Kilimanjaro where mining engineers from nearby Wakanda have set up to show us a new discovery of vibranium near the center of the earth under Mount Kilimanjaro. And in the queue, we'll see, we'll see Suri, or is it Shuri? Shuri. She's the lady Shuri, in, yeah. The, yeah, Shuri, yeah. in the Black Panther. She's the, the, geni the, the genius. genius. <laughs> but nobody in the world is as smart as she is. <laughs> she's explaining these, these new automated robotic mining vehicles that she's designed and how we can use them to, the, to journey to the center of the earth from, from the Kilimanjaro vents. Basically, this is mostly a copied attraction from the Disney Sea's journey to the sea, journey to the center of the earth. But we're just going to put this African Wakandan slant on it. You know, it'll take much of the same mechanisms and much of the same story. But the the in, in other words, we can copy an attraction and bring it over. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, kind of keep the budget in control. So we take them. We take a mining elevator down, which is sort of like the hydrolators experience. Yeah. Or like the um. The, uh, the new space restaurant they have at Epcot, but we're going to go down and we'll receive a briefing on the way and 
you know, we'll see the same vehicles in the same track that we see at Disney City. But inside here, we'll, not only will we see these underground raw crystals and gems, we'll see many African raw diamonds, which is really, really famous in Africa. They're famous for their diamonds. And of course, we'll see raw vibranium ore. And we may see, we may see some of these underground creatures with, with large heads guarding the vibranium. Now, there is some real mythical culture about Mount Kilimanjaro, about these, about these creatures inside the mountain. That, that keep its anger from from coming up <laughs> and i want to try and i don't want to get too much into that right now but we want to try to bring some of that realistic kilimanjaro mythology into this attraction the best we can we may see some special scientific equipment set up by the wakandan engineers and scientists and we'll hear descriptions of their importance and the scientific study for really to promote everyone in the world to to take upon stem and science and research and exploration to kind of teach, promote that message as well, you know, as well as conservation. Um, but it's not going to be a very fast vehicle. So, you know, there, there's a point in the um, it, journey to the center of the earth where it really takes off like test track. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure if we'll do that or not, because I want I do want to have that, that optional attraction for people who don't want to take that coaster experience. So that's, that is um, Wakanda minor bots. And that's, that's actually the, the, the attraction when the um the coaster that flies by in the lava tube they see them so they they sort of cross paths along the way inside the mountain well that's neat yeah that's sort of like how they originally wanted to have the <clears throat> the indiana jones attraction have the jungle cruise go through it yeah exactly yeah so mo most those two attractions are what dominate mount kilimanjaro which doesn't take up this entire expansive space in this area in equatorial africa so most of this space is used by this third attraction I'm calling Mufasa's Domain. Mufasa's, he, he's, he's the father lion of the, um, he, he's the Lion King, the real Lion yeah. King. He's, he's the Again, I had him James Earl Jones. <laughs> yeah, I wanted yeah. him married. So you, you did go to where I went as well a little bit. So you're, yeah. you're having a, another Lion King attraction. Okay. Yeah, so we're, we're moving east of Mount Kilimanjaro, but on the real continent, we're moving west. <laughs> So maybe you have to look upside down at the map of Animal Kingdom to really understand Africa. Um, so this is going to move throughout the savanna grasslands on the other side of Mount Kilimanjaro, where it's really dominated by the lions. And it's here we'll, we will literally live the experience of, of the African uh, Serengeti, um, where we become a lion, and we become Mufasa, and we chase herds of prey to survive. And at this at this Harambe loading area, we'll see a pride of lions all sort of surrounding this this rocky cave area where they're all sort of just basking in the sun <clears throat> in the daytime hours. Yeah. But we are the lions that are about to go on a hunt. So we board this coaster, which is a lion, and then off we go. And Mufasa's the main coaster. It's not really a a flipping inversion coaster. It's a speed coaster. And if you've ever ridden the cheetah hunt down at Bush Gardens, yeah, um, yeah, that's a fun one. It's kind of like that. And if 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 you've ridden that before, it actually takes up some of the space. What what once used to be sort of long <coughs> river rapid attractions they had before. Yeah, I remember that. And it, and it goes down into that and just kind of zips along, really just racing the land more than more than flipping. And um. It does a lot of zips of left and right and low to the ground, and, and it'll go sort of 
up and down and up and down like it's prancing on the ground, chasing its prey. And it, it's launched by one of those electric magnetic linear induction thrusters like the rock and roller coasters, but not just from the beginning, more along the way to keep, kind of get you into the little jumps of, of chasing. You'll experience that chase. But what's really, really cool about this traction is um, nearby, when you just after you start, there will be another smaller coaster track tangent to you that's intertwining, intertwining our track. And on that smaller track is a coaster train that looks like a herd of gazelles. There's, there's no people on this train. It's just a false coaster that looks like gazelles that's, oh. <clears throat> that's in time with our coaster. And it gives the impression that our, our lion is chasing the herd all along the way on the path. They're trying to duck out of the way. They're trying to go left while we go right. And then we try to cut them off the pass. And then there'll be a third coaster track that comes in that's a herd of zebra. We'll be distracted and we'll go chase it for a while. And that, this is kind of the, the patentable idea that I had about this, is having these other little side coasters next to this to give us this, this impression of, of chasing. Now, see, you've just solved the problem that, that I put out there in that, in that Disney space sense of, of, and then Imagineering does something really cool, and this is it. One of the ways you can have those animatronic uh, characters and, and out there in, as part of the experience is if they're on their own track or ride system, they can then go be garaged and protected from the elements uh, when they're done. So they're exactly. not just constantly exposed to the elements. You just solved the biggest problem that I had with my ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, occasionally we probably will have some, you know, elements out there flipping water up into the track and, you know those kind of some hyenas that are kind of giggling off on a little rocky land, but they're more, they're, they're sort of that jungle cruise level of animatronics where it's really, you know, just a, you know, a rocking arm inside of a pivot body or something like that. Well, let's be honest, the, 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 the jungle cruise hyenas did, did have to have some sort of influence on the hyena designs in the lion King. Yeah. There's a, there's of course the Disney visual continuity there. Yeah. So we, we continue to chase these animals. They'll, they'll go behind rocks and we'll try to cut them off of the pass and zip around. But eventually they get away and maybe, maybe we're just toying with them today. We're not going to eat them. So we'll, we'll go back to the station and here we are. So that, that is Mufasa's domain. That takes, up, that, that takes up most of this large expanse of land, which I think if, if you're going to use that and have people on it, I think the best thing to do is to have a big fast coaster like that that goes way up north and comes back south. And then east of Mufasa's domain is our um, another area we are calling the Congo Basin. Now in the real Africa and the Congo Basin is over on the west and this one's going to be on the east. So again we're upside down and the reason is I'm doing all this flipping of stuff is because there's already the gorilla trails over there now. And so I'm going to, I'm going to keep that area as it is. And maybe we have to have some new animatronic gorillas, but it's going to have this whole Tarzan theme and, you know, they'll look like the Tarzan gorillas. And then we may have, we may have a little area over there where we can see, um, we can have meet and greets with Jane and their, you know, whole little area that they have decked out. And then that that's on the, the east sides of the trails that are right now, but the west sides of the trails, we're going to have these new, tall jungle trees that are just a giant big row all along that trail 
and then and you'll be able to climb up into those trees sort of like um the swiss family treehouse okay. but it'll have these kind of the observation platforms that overlook much of the congo basin but on the other side you'll be able to overlook the the kilimanjaro safari area and so you'll be able to see the coasters in action you'll you'll get a, a glorious view of mount kilimanjaro itself and so on the trails that are <clears throat> at the bottom of kilimanjaro and also on these platforms you'll have really good vantage points for a nighttime laser show and the big hey. <clears throat> you know steam vents and fireworks and nighttime light you know but the mount prometheus show and in tokyo disney show they they have some show like that at nighttime as well where they kind of blows up every 15 minutes or so i don't know we'll do something similar similar like between when the coasters are diving down into it but remember there's three peaks there's there's three volcanoes on that mountain so maybe one of them is puffing up stuff while the other one's swallowing the roller coaster and so at the at the bottom in the congo basin we'll have some new shops and new little restaurant and they'll even be sort of a um a drink and snack bar up on the platforms up in the trees so if, if you think of again of the swiss family robinson multiply that by 12 <laughs> and they'll all kind of interconnect between each other so you can get from one to the next <clears throat> excuse me mm -hmm. but on the, on the bottom underneath this sort of the entrance where some of the shops are right now but a little bit into the area i want to have this new um a new shop that sells fine jewelry and diamond gems sourced from African nations such as Angola, Botswana, Namibia, or Namibia and South Africa, which really, really famous for its diamonds. And for that guest who really wants that something really, really special, this, this place will provide a one and only exclusive um, cut of diamond earrings and necklaces that with crafted diamonds that are specially cut to look like the lion heads of, of Simba or Nana, or the oh. female cub, when they were cubs. The only place in the world you'll be able to, I don't know how they'll make these diamonds, but if they could, it'll be the only place in the world you can get them. I think it'd just be a nice little touch. And then our last, our, I said there'd be three and a half attractions here. So our, our track, our, our last attraction, that's our half attraction, I'm calling the Vineway. And this is our, this is at the base, of, this is at the bottom of the Congo Basin. <clears throat> Excuse me. And for the guests who want to take that easy observational journey across the, the the upper end of Animal Kingdom, we can approach Tarzan's tree among, among all these other trees, and we'll board Tarzan's tree, tree swing vineway, and we'll enjoy treetop sky bucket journey to the Asia stations station of Animal Kingdom, and it's sort of like the sky bucket journey going from Africa to to Asia. And instead of having these towers along the way, like you'd see on a typical sky bucket ride, all these towers will be designed like trees. So you'll feel like you're on a vine going from tree to tree to tree oh, okay. to tree. And then on each tree, there'll be, you know, little silly primates from one to the next to the next. <clears throat> and the first trees, they'll have primates that you would see in Africa. And in the last tree, you'll see primates as you would see in India or, or Southeast Asia. And it'll have more of a jungle book type of theme to it the more eastward that you go and you'll enter asia into mowgli's tree hey yeah so that's that's the triple that's the triple indie
That is the Lindy. I'm yeah, gonna put, that, a, uh, put a clip of that in. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, but I'm I'm proud that you you went a direction similar to what I did, and you acknowledge the the Lion King is a huge uh, property there. I like that you brought in a, kind of a fun Marvel experience as well, and like you said, you're also wetting the appetite of the of the Epcot fanboy purist out there that uh, we all know and love. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really hard challenge you gave me because of it's such a large space, and I, and I don't think Africa gets the attention that it needs in Walt Disney World, and I think this would kind of give it a good boost. It's um his uh, Twitter handle is WWE Theme Parks, but um, he hosts a podcast that I really like. Uh, what's his name? Tim Grassy. He he really uh, is behind Harambe Village is one of the best themed spaces that disney has ever created and every time i'm over there i I have to acknowledge that yeah this this really is a slam dunk of an area and again i can't speak highly enough for the kilimanjaro safari especially when you when if you if you really want to make a day of it and 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 i say this all the time you gotta you gotta go to these parks the earlier the better and i know it's hard for people especially on vacation but Animal Kingdom often opens earlier than most of the other parks. Typically, it'll have an 8 a.m. open. And if, if it does, or if there's even a rare day that it has a 7 a.m. opening, and they sometimes do, I say get there an hour before the posted opening time and make going to Kilimanjaro Safari your priority. Because in the morning, when it's still cool yeah. and... It's pretty. The animals uh, have just been fed. You can see uh, it, it is a little like Jurassic Park. It's hard to get animals to perform and expect the way you want them to. Now, of course, as long as you keep them fed, they're not going to eat the tourists. But, you know, you want to make sure the guests get that experience where they can see that giant lion with his king's mane uh, resting up on the rock and uh, you want the uh, the giraffe almost poking their heads in the ride vehicle and not just say, oh, I think I see the back of a rhino behind that bush. I'm not certain. So the it, it's where that attraction can be hit or miss. And I often find later in the day, the, the animals tend to hide more or obscure themselves. And, and they know they know they're they're on stage and people are looking at them. And the earlier in the day seems to be the best way to go. They added a. They tried to add a nighttime component a few years ago with using a large LED projection system that mimicked uh, like the sun is still setting even after uh, the sun had actually set. It was a very bizarre experience, and it was basically driving through the entire course and being told this is where those animals are. If you could see them, man, they are really cool. You're talking to – go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm talking Kilimanjaro Safari, and, yeah. and they try to make a nighttime version of yeah. it. Yeah, and, and then apparently there was a whole thing of some of the animals are naturally nocturnal, and at Disney World they force them to change their cycles to being day animals, and then trying to switch them back to being nocturnal, uh, it didn't work out so far. So I say, hey, if you're doing an Animal Kingdom day, get there early and get first thing to the safari and then the 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 jungle trek and the gorilla falls to really uh get the animal experience if that's what you're looking for yeah th- this is a really important rope drop rope drop park to me because yeah animal kingdom was designed specifically 
so that in that morning when the when the sun was at its at its 9 a.m position mm -hmm. it was it was beaming right to that tree of life and just giving it this burst of light that you don't get throughout the rest of the day and that's that you know when they release the parrots and that have that birds of when the birds kind of fly over your head have you have you seen that before I have. I, I'm, I'm gonna post that on YouTube. It's a really, really neat experience. But even the light on the board, the birds at that time of day, it makes the makes that little area of the park just absolutely glorious. And then you dash off to Kilimanjaro safaris and get it in the morning time. You know, what, one little interesting design aspect of Animal Kingdom, and I don't know if anybody has caught on to this, but if you get that aerial view of the center of the park, where you have the right yeah, where you have this. Um, Discovery Island area and all these little branch waterways that were kind of that go to another waterway that kind of ring around the tree of life. Yeah. Now, if you look at how that, if you look at those pathways and those waterways <clears throat> and then sort of capture that in your eye, mm -hmm. and then you go to a, an overhead map plan of Westcott or, or what was going oh, to be. Oh, you're right. Yeah. They are almost exactly the same. That so, tree of life is the is the reduced uh, geodesic dome. That is the same branching layout that, that they wanted to build, and it's the hub and spoke design. It it works. Yeah. It, it's made to work. So I think when they quickly designed Animal Kingdom, they dusted off those Westcott plans that they never made, and just made Animal Kingdom out of it. I think that I think the park is is popular enough now that there's there's. I think if they were to bring back the the boat tours that go through the canals, that that could be almost like the park's people mover. Yeah. I think people would accept that. Yeah, it's not really much anything else, but it, it's it's a fun experience as as it is. I did those when the park opened. I was there in its first month. What'd you think? That those discovery boats, it you didn't really get to see a lot, and it was a long line. <laughs> <laughs> to not see a lot well there, there were what four ride attractions yeah. when the park opened i mean yeah. it was uh it was hot <laughs> there was nothing there to really see there, there's a joke because in the in uh, in the um sabrina the teenage witch with melissa joan hart she has a, a goes to animal kingdom episode and it's specifically animal kingdom like they don't go to any other parks but animal kingdom and if she doesn't pass her test uh, she's not allowed to go on any rides uh, and I'm like, what rides? <laughs> you had the safari, <laughs> you had dinosaur, and then the boat ride, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I did I did have a couple of other things that I thought of possibly for the Kilimanjaro area, and I'll just mention them quite a little bit quickly. Well, hodgepodge. Well, one of them I didn't I didn't really have a good title for it yet. I I, I kind of had a reserve title called the Adventure Games, but it was sort of like a Hunger Games type of experience. You know, where you'd have these the most dangerous game is man. Yeah, is you'd have thing? you'd start with twenty players, and then you know you'd go through contests to be a contestant, and then you would be kind of tossed out there under the under the savannas, into the wildlife, into the the former reserve, and you'd have all these games that they play, and they're not going to kill each other, but you know, I think you could do something with with the Disney app and Disney Plus and Disney Channel, and give these kids some fame. You know, every time somebody's eliminated for whatever game they lost, you know, you, you would everybody would turn their heads and know, oh, my gosh, Sabrina just lost, oh, you know, and social media component to it. Yeah. And then like after they're after the the champion wins and, you know, everybody is sort of known, sort of like the, the big brother, they would all become these 
Instagram fame people forever, and everybody would try to compete to be on it. You know, maybe it would last two weeks or two or three weeks for the whole experience. And then I, and I had another idea, and this is assuming that the animals live. You know, your 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 premise that the animals go away to to me means that either all zoos have become really, really, really good, or all zoos have closed as well. <laughs> but just assuming the animals stay. Assume, assume the more positive of the two yeah. premise, but. Yeah, but assuming they stay, I, I was thinking like um, doing sort of a Star Wars cosplay day. You know, you, know you, you and me understand the real Star Wars day is May 25th, 1977. When yes, thank you. Not actually the, debuted. <laughs> it's not May the 4th. It's May 25th, but let's just say it's May the 4th. And, and by the way, too, you know, pe people often attach the May the 4th be with you with Obi-Wan in the meme, but Obi-Wan never said that. That was Han Solo who said, may the 4th be with you. Obi-Wan said, what, the force what will be say? with you. Always. Yeah, the force will be with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, he says that twice. He says that right before he leaves Luke, and he says it right after he blows up the Death Star. Yeah. People misquote Vader, too. He never said, Luke, I'm your father. He said, no, no I am your father. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, and they never nailed that inflection. And again, no one, they never said a uh, beat me up Scotty. It was, uh, that's yeah. always been a sort of a. But I think in, in the, in this Harambe wildlife reserve in each little animal pod, you could probably introduce a little jungle cruise esque, you know, cheap animatronic of some of these star Wars animals, just kind of out there with the other animals. And maybe, maybe if you train the elephants over several months, you could, you could convince them to wear the Bantha outfits. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you just love to see that? You know, well, somehow have some. Let me ask you, Mark, uh, I got mm -hmm. a couple, I got a couple of things I want to throw your way. I want to get your opinion on them. And uh, mm -hmm. one is, okay. Looking at, I'm looking at the park from, from an aerial perspective. Okay. And there's, you know, quite a bit of real estate, maybe, uh, especially now that the, well, the Nemo show is going to be coming back. There's, there is some land south of Everest or north of uh, Cali River Rapids. You could expand, you could, you know, you could, of course, do something with Conservation Station out there, or you could even uh, maybe build uh, beyond Pandora. But Let's just say Disney decided, hey, we're going to build Endor in Animal Kingdom. And now the Ewoks were hunting the Yuzums, and then they were hunted by the Gorax and the ABC movie. Uh, do you think you could pull off Star Wars and Animal Kingdom if you focused on the, the wildlife of Star Wars, like the Dubaks and the Banthas and the Yeah, Tom -toms? you know, I was trying to think of this when I was thinking of this particular space, exactly what you're saying, and I didn't know if it would really fit or not. If, if people I couldn't would, think of I, any way I, to fit Star Wars into yeah, this park. I, I, don't, I think pe more people would reject it than dive into it. And that's what that's what brought me to this. Which you know, is let's, crazy let's just, because let's Pandora, a... another another science fiction film, yeah. slides right in. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's uh. in that space that was originally designed for a fantasy kingdom, but instead it's it's more of a sci-fi bent. But it's still yeah. that that jungle atmosphere that you you come to expect. Now, if hold the idea for Dinoland USA area, including the show building for Dinosaur, and hold that idea. <laughs> All right, all right. That's, that's a now, good and that, this is something that I've heard uh, Joe Rohde, who was the lead creative Imagineer for the park, he was very venomous against the concept of 
any Zootopia based attractions in the park? First off, did you see the movie Zootopia? Yes. Okay, I saw it in theaters. I loved it. I thought it was great. And I thought there were some really interesting elements in the film. For example, uh, there's no animals that are in the film that are due to the basis of domestication. So you don't have house cats or or dogs, only wolves and uh, big cats, jungle cats. Uh, the, the, the chubby police cat is a cheetah. Um, it's kind of wild they're, life they're... in zoo animals. And, and there is there is a major plot element about sentient sapi whatever word you want to use there. I get in, I get into a lot of arguments with sci fi fans. You know, where they talk about like the the android from Next Generation Data is he sentient? Well, my dog is sentient, but is he sapient? And is he does he have a true consciousness? But but in the in the context of of the Zootopia films all the mammals rights are equally recognized and it's only bad mammals that would eat uh, the herbivores or the, uh, or something like that. It would be, it, they can still seem to eat uh, lower species. So like the birds and the fish aren't necessarily all the, all the animals in Zootopia that are sentient are all mammals. So you could, I I don't necessarily in my my opinion I don't necessarily agree with Mr. Rody in the sense that you couldn't have Animal Kingdom with related themes about these animals because it's sort of a metaphor for is Utopia is there more of a metaphor for us as humanity coming together and recognizing different social uh, differences and and trying to embrace those and 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 belay old prejudices. And I think that could be an important message for the park, even if it's an animal giving you that message that's meant for humans. I don't, I, I don't see the the like no pants. The animal it's got to be Disney movies, but the animals <laughs> can't wear pants. That's his litmus. So like Jungle Book's fine, Lion King's great, but Zootopia or the the classic Robin Hood, no way, Jose, you can't put those in there. Even though we all know that Baloo the bear is Little John. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you put what, Zootopia, what you... if you put Zootopia in Animal Kingdom, is it no longer not a zoo? <laughs> it's it's now a zoo. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Zootopia is now a zoo. Now it's a zoo. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things of well, like you know, I said, how, how, how do you how do you capitalize on everybody who's who can, who can come to the park? You know, you got I these little I kids. I can't see a way to make Star Wars fit in there, but I don't yeah. seem to have that same emotional issue as with the with the Zootopia or. Um, or like like what maybe what's up Pixar like like they they already have Finding uh, Nemo with the uh, the sing along uh, there. I'm trying yeah, to think what, any other Pixar. I mean, what what are the eight year olds glom onto these days in that park? Boy, in that park, well, it's the Avatar, and it, and it really is the safari and the and the and being able to get up close to the gorillas and the tigers. Yeah, but I mean, I can still see them falling asleep through all that. Zootopia would give them a little bit of a energy i think so i i, I, I think, think the so. park could use some some fun uh uh disney style dark rides like dinosaur is great i'm a huge fan of that attraction but it's not for everybody yeah. and it's it's pretty scary on the on the roles of disney attractions you know one thing going back to the um the star wars cosplay out on the on the safaris <laughs> I, I, Donnie I would the elephant that played the 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 um Banthas in the original Star Wars. I remember <laughs> yeah. that. I, I would like to see a big hole in the ground where this giant space lug just pops out, 
opens its mouth and dig, digs back in. <laughs> Just like on the asteroid. There may be salacious crumbs sitting on the back of a giraffe, just a little animatronic. <laughs> you, you know, at D23, they, they showed the the test rig of future walk-around characters that were big and giant, you know, thought to be... I thought of the Wampa when I saw those. Yeah, I mean, you, you could probably test that on a day like this in that area. Yeah. Or, you know, have maybe, you know, warm-weather Tauntauns or something run, run yeah. by. So that'd be fun. Anyway... That was a great show. That I think so. Lot. So what Disney space do you have on the docket for our next episode? Okay, so what what is the tagline of Disney space is? Reimagining Re spaces in Disney World, Disneyland, and spaces beyond. So this is a show, and we've we've pretty much been all over Walt Disney World. And let's let's take a break from Orlando area and let's oh, jump, on, we go. jump on an airplane and head west. And go to um, Anaheim. We're not going to go to Disneyland Park. We're going to go into California Adventure. Okay. Walk down, walk down the um, the what is that little entrance, little area? I'm it's not Hollywood, but it's it's sim similar to that. Yeah, it's... we're we're, we're going to go down Hollywood, their little Hollywood Boulevard area, where you approach this little questionable area at the end that's sort of a misfit right now because at the end of this Hollywood lane it's Hollywood Boulevard yeah that's Boulevard and in the beginning of this new Marvel area is sort of this weird area and it's currently occupied by a pretty good attraction called Monsters Inc Mike and Sully to the rescue and it was formerly the Superstar Limo but I think there's something we can do with this base so I want to I want to go to that Monsters Inc. Mike and Sully to the rescue space, and reimagine it for California Adventure. Right. So so all right. and we can't touch the former Muppet 3D Theater next to it, or the sure um, yeah. Or we can. can yeah anything that's next to it I think is in play. You know I, I, there's a sort of a on a Studio 17 or something like that. I think it's a a shop a merchandise shop. And they used to there's... have a um it, it was uh based on the the live action one by Tim Burton but it was a Mad Hatter's a uh, dance party was would be there uh late in the evenings. Yeah. There, there's a facade of a studio and I'm not sure what's behind it. There, there is kind of a building there, but it's it's currently like a Captain Marvel meet and greet area where there's a jet that's sort of poking its nose out of a a bay door. Mm -hmm. And that's in that little area. So and also the monorail passes right over this this entrance area it does uh, yeah, right yeah. There. so you can use any of that space there and come up with something that new and I, I i've already started some ideas on this and something that i think gives it a better fit so let's let's that's going to be our next a disney space fit. okay because yeah i gotta tell you i'm a big monsters inc fan and i like that monsters inc attraction and uh and i, I remember enjoying it and i and i remember it was this was the originally it was a, a much maligned attraction called the Superstar Limo. Yeah, which I, I've never ridden that one. <laughs> I, I I never went on it either. I've only done the uh, Mike and Sully to the Rescue version, but it's it's fun to look up because it, when they did that, it is it was almost like a Disney imagining where they had to go in there quick, and uh, some of the animatronics, uh, you know, in, in the Monsters Inc. film, they have the child detection agency that look for the kids, and they're all monsters in the hazmat suits. Yeah. Well, the original characters in there, like Jackie Chan and uh, Cindy Crawford and uh, Drew Carey, 
it's the same characters. They just put those suits on top of them. So you can actually <laughs> like lift up those costumes and see the, uh, that's literally a reskinning. <laughs> uh, there was at one point uh, an idea that they had that the Muppets was going to re-inhabit the space and they wanted to have it be sort of a, a attraction that is built as it went. So you would go ride Superstar Limo and then there would be an intermediate state where the Muppets are like, sorry guys, this ride stinks. We're here fixing it. And then eventually yeah. it would become a, a whole Muppet attraction. And I really like that idea of, of, of keeping a ride open, acknowledging its failure and, and having characters in the ride, like, Hey, I know we're hey, give us a minute. And as it, as they continue to change individual scenes, eventually it's complete. <laughs> I thought that was, that's a, that was a very bold idea. I remember when I heard that this will be a fun place to work in our first time going to uh, DCA on Disney yeah. space. And since it's the first time we're going to California, we may have a guest for the show. Oh yes, we yeah. definitely need someone with the with the West Coast perspective in mind. So yeah. be on the lookout for that episode coming soon. And for anybody who's listening, if you have some ideas that you would like to pitch for that space, let us know as well on our at Disney Space Pod tw Twitter site or Disney or even space if you forget that, even if you just know Mark and I through our Twitter or Instagrams. Drop us a line there. Send us a message. Just reply to something we say. I really want to take this podcast in, in the next year. I want I want more of the listener involvement. I want to know what spaces that you want reimagined. Uh, maybe even give us your basic designs, and we can flush them out. I want to see, I want to see what we can all do together. This is all just for fun. We're not yeah. professionals. We're we're just uh, we're just fans who love these parks and just like talking about this kind of, like I said, I always thought this podcast was you and I would be having this conversation, even if we weren't recording it. Yeah. It's, it's an imagination exercise. I don't want anybody to think that Kilimanjaro so far is going away. <laughs> no, we're not killing anything. <laughs> just, we don't have that kind is, of veto power. This is just us stretching our imagination for fun. Although I did create the, uh, the, uh, the genie app a year and a half ago they were totally listening to my <laughs> blog and uh, and copy that so all uh, right I'm, I'm waiting for my check mr chapek it'll be in the mail soon <laughs> well mark <laughs> thanks so much for another fun show and we'll catch you back here real soon all right thanks for the triple lindy